you know what? I don't think the win here is for me to lose weight because I've been 150 pounds less than this and I've been more than this. And no matter what, it's not about my weight. What I realized is it's about the internal belief. And so that was a moment where I said, I don't have to change myself to love myself. And that was when the real self-love experiment began. And I really learned how to love myself no matter what I look like. It's episode 55, and this one just feels like a celebration to me. Shannon Kaiser is the first person to come back as a guest for a second time on the Here to Thrive podcast. If you look through your feed list, you will find she's already spoken about connecting with future you and how important that is. But today we are talking all things self-love and how it's a journey, sometimes a struggle, and how you can get to a place where you can say you love yourself. Now, if you're not familiar with Shannon, she is the best-selling author of a number of books. Her fourth has just been released, and it's all about self-love called The Self-Love Experiment. She's also an A-list blogger, a life and business coach, and an inspirational speaker. She's not small fry, and if you want to know more about Shannon Kaiser, you can check her out at her website, playwiththeworld.com, or find her on social at Shannon Kaiser Writes. She's full of inspiration, and this conversation is real, it's meaningful, and I think it's what so many of us need to hear. So stay tuned. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. I am so happy that we get to connect on this. Thank you. It's an honor to be back on your amazing podcast. Tell me about the journey of writing the self-love experiment. Was it, you say in the book that it wasn't always easy. Can you talk us through why? Yeah, absolutely. Well, with the book, it's interesting because self-love is kind of this thing that seems to elude a lot of us. It's, it's like a nice concept. And before I'd hear people talk about self-love and I'd hear the word and it would just kind of make me cringe because I knew I didn't have it, but I didn't know how to get it. And I didn't really know what it was, but I knew I needed it. And I wrote this book a couple years ago called Adventures for Your Soul. And that was 21 habits that block us and really stop us from reaching our potential and our dreams. And in there, one of the habits is not allowing ourselves to be true to ourselves called Me Matters. And that whole chapter was about self-love. And when I wrote that chapter in Adventures for Your Soul, it was very exciting and I was really into it. And then when I was on book tour for my last book, I realized how it just was like lightning coming down from the sky. That chapter needs to be its own book. And it was a very powerful moment for me because I realized I needed to actually go on my own self-love experiment to really, really understand what self-acceptance and being compassionate to yourself is. So when it came time to actually writing the self-love experiment, 
it was really hard because a lot of my expectations around trying to reach self-love and what it's supposed to look like, how it's supposed to feel. I was trying to put it into a process as I was writing. And so it's like putting the cart before the horse. So it was by far the hardest book I've ever had to write, but the most rewarding and truly the most love filled book, because once I pushed through and it really shows the power, it was a metaphor for self-love because you know, it's not this easy one way street where it's the same for everybody. It's a process and you have to show up for the process. And if you take one thing away from the teaching in the book, it's to show up. And if you keep showing up, you will get the results you want, no matter what it is in life. Did I read correctly where it said you wrote three separate drafts of this book? Actually, this is the fourth. So yeah, three other whole, almost full books, major manuscripts, fully complete. And I was, it, that's how frustrating it was like as a writer. I love writing. It's so fun for me. But this was such a chore. I would sit there and I'd have writer's block. And true to, you know, being in the full process, I, the very first book, I sat out and I said, okay, I'm going to write the self-love experiment. I'm going to go on this journey to know that me matters. And the very first one, it was like, okay, when I lose weight, then I will know self-love, then I'll be happy. And how, how silly, but that's what I really felt because I was overweight. And I felt like if I, I'll be happy when I have that goal weight or whatever it is. And quickly, quickly learned that self-love has nothing to do with how you look. It's about how you live. And that's what I learned through my own journey, that it's how we show up for ourselves, how we choose to be present in life, how we go after our dreams. That's real self-love. It has nothing to do with the outside kind of reflections. And at the same time, as I was writing the book, I was looking at what other authors do, like Gretchen Rubin, Better Than Before. Her book had just come out and she has a very clear step-by-step -step process on how to be better than you were the day before. And it's a beautiful book. I love it. But I started looking at all these other authors and trying to cookie cut, find a version of like how a book should be laid out. And, and I realized what I was doing, I was really struggling to write the book because I was looking at everyone else. And that was what I was doing in my life as well. I was looking outside of myself and it was a metaphor for how I was living my life. I was trying to see what other people were doing and, and if it was working for them, then surely it's going to work for me. Self-love is a very personal thing for everyone. And it shows up in a way that we need it best each day. And it shows up in different ways for each person. So that was part of the journey for me. Was there one particular time or phase when you were writing this book where you felt that shift from trying to force this self-love experiment to really getting in the flow with it? Yeah, there's a quite a few spots. Uh, there's really three main turning points and I'll share one that really comes and resonates because I was pretty, you know, a couple months into my journey. And so with self-love, as it being an experiment, I think it's important we look at it as an experiment, which means we're not attached fully to the outcome or what's going to happen. We just try different things. And I was pretty, maybe a couple months into it, and I was sitting at my mom's dining room table. We were actually sitting down coloring because we like to just chit chat and hang out, drinking iced tea. And coloring in one of those fancy little coloring books, and I was doing a mantra, and it said, everything happens for a reason. The, the actual page I was coloring with all these flowers and butterflies on it. And I didn't realize that that was like a universal sign too. <laughs> <laughs> I read this story in the book. It's such a good one. Yes. And so I was sitting there next to my mom and she started talking about a couple of friends we have and they're getting engaged and stuff. And all of a sudden, these tears just started coming and pouring out of me. I had no idea they were inside of me. I didn't know why I was crying. And then I just said it. I, I, and she looked at me and she was so like flabbergasted. Her daughter was crying. Here I am, a 35-year-old grown woman crying in my mom's living room. And she said, why are you crying? And I said, you know, 
I have to ask you a serious question. And we put our pencils down and I said, do you think anyone can love me the way that I am? And she was very sad that I said that. And she was like, oh, how dare you say that? You're beautiful. What do you mean? She, you know, no mother ever wants to hear their daughter say that. But I had gained a lot of weight, almost 100 pounds at that point, And I felt very unlovable. And my core root kind of limiting belief was that I'm unlovable. It stems from childhood and all this other stuff. But I was sitting there about 80 pounds overweight at that time. And I, I said, I, I don't. I don't know if a man can love me the way I am. And what my mom said next was actually the turning point for me in my self-love experiment. Because at first she said, how dare you say that? You're so beautiful. But then what she said next, she said, Shannon, the most important thing is that you're happy. And if you're not happy at the size, then this isn't the right body for you. And as she said that, there was an immediate click within myself because I had tried to lose the weight before and I had. I have suffered through anorexic bulimia, anorexia, many years of suffering silently with eating disorders because I was trying so hard to change myself. And here was, again, I love my mom. She meant no harm. She was very sweet. She loves me. But she was saying what the world says. You have to change in order to love yourself. And that was a moment where I decided to reject that. And I said, you know what? I don't think the win here is for me to lose weight because I've been 150 pounds less than this. And I've been more than this. And no matter what, it's not about my weight. What I realized is it's about the internal belief. And so that was a moment where I said, I don't have to change myself to love myself. And that was when the real self-love experiment began. And I really learned how to love myself no matter what I look like. Oh, I just got full body tingles. I had already read that story in the book, but hearing you talk through it, it's just beautiful. So in terms of, would you say that that's when you turn towards self-acceptance first before self-love? Yeah. And you know, self-love is actually, I think the fifth pillar really. So it's like self-love is really wrapped up in a lot of layers. And the very first one I believe is self-care and self-care. And I talk about this, it's a whole section in the book is not just drinking your green juice, making sure you do yoga every day, checking everything off your list. Like that's very good and productive and we can do all these things. But if we are doing them as I used to, I used to be a triathlete and I used to count all my calories and I was doing it with such an ashamed, I was ashamed of myself and I hated myself and I felt guilty if I had an extra piece of pizza. And so if you're going about your self-care routine with shame and guilt, then that's not loving. So we have to switch it to what feels good, what feels joyful. And so that was, I was pretty much focusing on self-care then. And the real next part is self-compassion. So that's when I learned the power and magic of self-compassion. Oh, I love that story you have in the book about living with your flatmate and how you yeah. taught each other balance. That was priceless. Can you touch on that for a moment? <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, she's amazing too, because this was a while ago, but it, I had this, this flatmate who was so wonderfully tight with everything. As far as health wise, she counted every single calorie. She was regimented, no pesticides on anything. She even like put all of her vegetables and, and water and soaked them for X amount of hours. And it was just, to me, it felt extreme, but it wasn't extreme at all. Cause that's what felt good for her. But the truth is she was in and out of the hospital. She did that 
in part because she had different health problems, but she was in and out of the hospital lots and lots of times throughout the time we lived together throughout different months. And so it was just interesting to be a reflection because at that time, I mean, you know, this is like college. I was, you know, in my drinking and eating sugar all the time and like all these things that society says makes you fat or whatever it is. And it was funny because we were opposites, but we really taught each other about balance because we, you know, she learned that maybe you can lighten up a little bit on not being so regimented. And I actually learned a lot on there are really great benefits to having green juice in the morning or drinking water, or doing yoga. <laughs> I loved that story. I just thought it was really illustrative of how don't have to be all or nothing. And that self-love is about kind of honoring what feels good. Yeah. And it, I like that you say all or nothing because we were two at that time, different sides of the spectrum. And it really is about balance. And I talk about this a lot throughout the book because throughout my own journey and self-love experiment, I discovered the balance is the most important part. So I think there's a popular Facebook meme going around. It's like some days you, you know, go to the gym and you drink your green juice. And some days you stay in your pajamas and watch Netflix. It's called balance. And I think that's how we have to approach our life. I love it. So talking about self-love, do you feel like you're in a different point now, having done this experiment, having gone on this journey with yourself? Oh yeah. It's a, it's a miracle. And it's truly, truly been the greatest gift that I could ever really recognize in life because I'm not the same person at all. I approach everything differently. I'm so much more present in every area of my life and I'm able to really appreciate who I am. When I sat down to do the self-love experiment, I really had three goals, which was to lighten up, stop taking life so seriously, stop, you know, I would go out to dinner with friends and I couldn't be present because I was so mad that one more bite would put me over my calories for the day. Or I was frustrated that I had to skip a workout just to make it to there on time. And these are just really regimented parts of my life that was controlling every area. And that was um, just my life for, for many, many years. So I wanted to lighten up. And the second is I wanted to be able to look in the mirror and say only kind things to myself. And then the third is I wanted to see myself the way Tucker, my dog does. Love <laughs> I it. had to put that in there. And to truly, truly, um, those were the three goals of the self-love experiment. And I sit here today, many, many months and years after finishing the self-love experiment. And it's a true honor to say I've accomplished all those goals. So how has it changed your life? How do you feel like you approach life differently now that you come from a place of self-love? Yeah, everything's changed. You know, there's first and foremost, I have compassion. Uh, I've always been, you know, caring and kind and empathetic to other people. But in doing research in my book, I, I learned that 90% of women hate their bodies. And 95% of people, including men, want to change something about themselves. And I think we feel like we're suffering alone and we feel like we don't love ourselves or we feel unworthy. And it's not something that is needs to be something we go through alone. So it really, it's about building a community of knowing that you're not alone. So that's been really huge. But I think the most important thing on a personal level is for most of my life, since I was very young, I was always so worried, terrified, actually, of being seen. I wanted people to see me for who I was, but I was so scared to actually show up as I was, because what if they don't like me? Because I've tried that before and people made fun of me or, you know, the person didn't ask me out or whatever it may be. And so the biggest gift that the self-love experiment gave me is to recognize that I am enough. And we hear that a lot. So what it really means is 
it doesn't matter what the world thinks of me anymore. It really only matters what I think of me. And I mean that in a sincere way, because what's really beautiful about that is the more me I show, the more I'm able to connect with other people and the more I'm able to really feel even more loved. You touched on just before about sort of looking out into the world for approval as opposed to looking inside for that approval. And I feel like that really is illustrated in the point you just mentioned just then as well. How did you make that switch? You mentioned self-compassion and self-love and self-care. Was it a gradual shift of turning inside? It was absolutely. It was a constant commitment to myself and saying, you know what, I'm going to show up for me. And there's a section that I talk about that is, I, I say, stand by you. I think it's one of my favorite chapters because I say, even in your darkest hour, even when you're, you're trying to, you know, grow, we do these courses, we sign up for the coaching and we do the self-help books and we listen to these amazing podcasts. And then we often feel like we're doing it because there's something wrong with us and we need to be fixed. And that's how I lived my life. I was always trying to be fixed. And what I really recognized is there is no problem. The only problem is that we think there's a problem. Everything in our life is actually there by design to help us grow. So the turning point for me was really to start to look at my body, my overweight body, my stretch marks and the things that I felt unlovable and and really start to appreciate them and see them as gifts and almost look at them as if like God made me. So how could I possibly hate myself? Like I'm a beautiful child of the light, right? So when you switch your mind to focus on love is within you, there are no mistakes. Then I think that that's a powerful way for us to really move forward. Oh, that brings me back to a point I wanted to discuss with you, which was about the potential of now, you mention it in the book about mm-hmm. how important it is to embrace the journey rather than when I get to that point, I will. And I've noticed myself being so much more comfortable over the last few years with just being in the journey rather than obsessing over where I want to get to. Can you yeah. talk us through being okay with the space in between on the path to our growth about embracing the journey and how we can do that and perhaps even how you did that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's funny because I actually put it into what I call the almost paradise syndrome. It's actually it's like this paradise. We're all looking for paradise and paradise could be more money in the bank. It could be that gold number. It could be the family or the soulmate we're trying to attract Everyone has their version of when I get this, I will be happier, I will be successful, and I will be free. But what we often don't think about is the thing that we think when we get those will be happier. But when we get to that situation, we also feel like all our other problems will be resolved. It's like really not just about that situation. It's about the whole version. And so the almost paradise is first recognize that you're tripping about the future that's not here. And by doing that, it's the chase. It keeps us in the chase. We are always chasing and the, the thing about the chase, I talk about this, is its reward is the chase. It's like a player, right? It really <laughs> it really just wants to be in the chase. And so we're always chasing this elusive moving target That because I lost all the weight and I still hated myself. And so it was never about the weight. And so the space in between is about learning how to truly be where you are instead of where you need to be. And we can simply do this by learning to find the joy 
in each moment and also appreciating ourselves for what we are able to offer, for who we are showing up as, for the dreams that are coming true. And instead of focusing on our flaws or the things we don't like, we put more of our attention on the things that we appreciate and love. And so you can do this in many ways. You can write a letter to the things about yourself, like celebrate the things you love about yourself. But the profound change for me was actually when I wrote a letter to my flaws. I said, dear body that I don't understand and can't, under, you know, can't love yet. What are you here to teach me? Dear overweight stomach, why are you here? And then through the process of just free writing, I was able to kind of learn that the body is my tool. Like this body holds my heart and my vessels and everything that, you know, helps me be human. So you start to transform and probe at that thing that you don't understand. And it doesn't have such a big hold on you. It sounds really powerful when you talk through it, you know, just like asking the pieces of yourself that you don't yet find lovable. What are you here to teach me? That makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful exercise. Change in our lives. And you're talking about like this pursuit of wanting to be better and how so many of us are chasing after that kind of elusive when I get there kind of feeling. But if we are feeling this desire to change, when do we know we're ready to start that journey? And what happens if we start a journey when we're not ready? Yeah, I love that. I'm glad you brought that up. Because if you think about it, when it's when it's really time for change, it's easy. And you can think about times in your life, maybe you wanted to quit smoking. And it was when you were truly ready, it, it was easy. Or maybe you wanted to, um, you know, lose weight or whatever it may be, you were ready to find that job and that job kind of fell in your lap. We can all usually pinpoint some time in our life where change was, you know, think of New Year's, It's like you're ready relatively. Things happen because you're ready. And so I felt this way. I was ready. And for the first few weeks of my self-love experiment, I was ready. I was determined. And then what happens is we often look outside of ourselves to see that our change is actually working. We're either looking to see that our body's changing or we want other people to say, oh, you look great. Or or we're looking for that validation. And when that validation doesn't come, most often we self-sabotage or we feel like, what is this? all worth. And that's why, you know, 90% of diets fail. And by no means is this a diet conversation. Self-love has nothing to do with like that. But I do feel that that's a hang up for many women where we feel like maybe something's wrong with us because we can't lose weight. And so the space in between and really allowing yourself to know when you're ready to make the change, it's when you're ready, you feel it. It's an internal shift. And all of a sudden you become tunnel vision towards it and everything focuses towards that. And if you're not ready, be compassionate with yourself. There are certain things you can do. Simply show up and say, okay, I'm willing to make one small shift today. What shift can I do to be more kind and compassionate to myself, more healthy on this journey? So it's about, it's about one step at a time, really. I love it. It just, it just makes so much sense to me though, because if you're not ready to change and if you're still looking for that outside validation, then you're likely to fall flat on your face. But when it's really being driven from your heart center, then it's kind of like the energy and the momentum just pushes you forward. Is that fair to say? 100% fair to say. And I think as you were, as you were talking about that, I think it's important to recognize that everything that happens in our life, I truly believe this. And I learned this in a self-love experiment journey. Everything that happens is for our highest good. It's hard to grasp at first, but 
my overweight body was actually something that was serving me at that time for many reasons, many, many reasons that we don't even have to go into, but whatever you're struggling with right now that you cannot change, whether it's smoking a cigarette or maybe you drink too much, whatever, like we're not saying do it. But what I'm saying is the problem is not that we're doing these things. It's that we think that that's the problem. And so they actually become bigger. The addictions grow, the overeating grows, the overspending gets bigger because we're so focused on how bad it is. But when we take our attention off of the habit or the situation that's hindering us, we can actually let it heal on its own because we're not attacking it with negativity. And so it's kind of like you can only fight, you know, the darkness with with light and it's not even a fight, but there's dark areas within us. And that's really what it's about. So it's about turning that conversation in your own mind to I hate this about myself to you know what? I'm going to focus on what I do like about myself. And then all of a sudden you'll find you're not eating as much or spending as much because you're really focusing on the loving things in your life that are going well. This makes so much sense to me, Shannon, because what I'm hearing is it's like the more you feed negativity into the things you don't like about yourself, the more they'll show up and play a part in your life where we have this power to refocus our attention onto what we do appreciate then those things no longer seem as huge, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I saw that firsthand because I like, I I suffered from eating disorders for many years. And I thought that was, I was a horrible person for, for having this part of me be part of my life. But once I really started to appreciate certain parts of myself, they disappeared because I was, of course, there's a lot of layers to it. You know, I did 12 step programs and stuff, but I think what happens is you really learn how to see yourself in a loving lens instead of saying the things I do are bad. Therefore, I must be bad. Therefore, I'm unworthy. Instead, it's, you know, this is an experience of my life right now. It's here to teach me something. If I look and see what it has to offer me, what can I learn? Then I can heal. Then I can grow. And then I can move through this. It's oh. a much more pleasant place to be. I mean, how different is that self-talk? I mean, just you going through it then. It's, it's one of those things that seems so obvious, I'm sure, when we talk through it, but yet it is such a huge shift to start talking to yourself in that manner, right? It is. One step at a time. We can do it. We can do it. I want to talk about your grandmother because I <laughs> love the way you mention her wisdom and I feel like it's really val- relevant when we talk about self-talk to talk about your grandma. And there was a story you mentioned in the book that touched my heart about how mm-hmm. she interpreted her body and herself in the world. Can you share that story with us and some of the learnings perhaps that you picked up from her, even if you forgot them for a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So she's no longer, she, she passed away, but what's beautiful about grandma's, you know, she's still here with us and, and my, my mom's mom, she, she was uh, very overweight all through life, at least maybe a hundred, 150 pounds overweight. So she was always considered big grandma, right? There's big grandma, little grandma. And towards the end of her life, many, many years ago, I had a conversation with her because I was really suffering uh, with my own body and I kept gaining weight too. And a lot of times I would tell myself like, Oh, it runs on my mom's side of the family. All these things we tell ourselves. But I sat her down and I was just like, Grandma, I love you so much and you're so full of love. Can you just I don't I don't wanna, you know, impose, but I have a question that's been really in my heart. I asked her, How do you feel? And and do you have any advice for me? Because I'm in a larger body and and I I feel uncomfortable and I don't feel like it's natural to be overweight. And she immediately looked at me and she said, Shannon, do not waste time with negative thoughts. 
Do not waste time with negative thoughts. And this was at this was at the very, very end of her life. So she had a very long, long life. And what was really amazing is after that, she said, you know, there's so many, there's so many perceptions out there, and there's so many different people who have different opinions, and it's their opinion. She said, part of me being in this larger body was the love that I had to give to people when they hugged me. They felt so warm and they felt so joyful. And it's true, she gave forevermore the best hugs in the world. But it was just really beautiful how she didn't let it stop her from living her life. That's who she was. She she happened to just be in an overweight body. She didn't let it stop her from making a mark on this world. And that instilled in me. And it was nice to hear. I really loved reading that story. That one got me all a little bit teary-eyed because I was Aww. like, how sweet is it that you're getting this beautiful hug from your grandmother and she's saying, you still love me, Shannon. You know, can't, yeah. you, you can feel my love and my, my bigger body makes me far better at giving hugs, which I just loved. So I was like, how true is that? <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. Okay, so I have a few quick fire questions for you. And because you are being interviewed on Here to Thrive for the second time and the first guest ever to do that, they are are a new set oh my god this is exciting yeah you're, yes. you're the first all <laughs> wow, right welcome back <laughs> you like tra- yeah welcome back right <laughs> I know you like traveling do you have a favorite place in the world okay so the first thing that always comes to mind is Thailand I love it there because I love the food I love the people I love everything it represents but when you asked me just now, the first thing that came to my mind is Antarctica because that's the big one I want to go to next. Oh my gosh. How exciting <laughs> is that going to be? I love your adventurous spirit. Wow. Okay. On the to-do list. All right. Yeah. So what is one of the best gifts you've ever received? Wow. So, um, yeah. So honestly, the, the gift of self-love has been the most amazing gift in the world. So and you I think gave I have- it to yourself. Yeah, I did in the, in the experience of really truly committing, I committed to myself and I, I showed up for myself, but I, I truly believe it's possible for all of us, but uh, my life is so different now. And it's such a beautiful journey to be in the journey and then to, to be where I am today, to really feel comfortable in my body, no matter what size it is and to love myself and all, all the people I'm with, I'm so present. And so I think the self-love that's, that's a beautiful gift. I just love the fact that it was a gift you gave yourself. Favorite mantra at the moment, and the reason I ask you this question, just to preface it a little bit, is I love your mantras, Shannon. They are Thank so you. brilliant. So if you don't already know people, Shannon has a whole book of mantras, and it is amazing. And I feel like I use those mantras so often, I just hear your thoughts running through my head, and I just yeah. I love it. So do you have a favorite mantra that you're giving a bit more attention to at the moment? You know, it's funny because... <laughs> I, I don't have one right now, but I will I will share that the one that really comes to mind and that is really so important on the journey is all problems are pathways. Oh, and, how good is that? This, all problems yeah. are pathways. And it's so beautiful because I think we, you know, whether it's a problem, if something's not flowing in your pr- productivity for the day or you're arguing with someone or, you know, you're not getting what you want from your boss to, you know, a problem, a flaw you have with your own self. I feel like, and this is no matter what it is, 
showing up for the problem. It's actually looking at it, turning it on a side, kind of saying, this is a pathway to lead me to greater truth, to lead me to what I really want. And maybe it's a detour away from what is not working. And so right now I'm working on planning my book tour for the next book, Self-Love Experiment. And there's been a lot of like hiccups and things that I was looking at as problems. And I, I had to really repeat that mantra on repeat daily. Oh my gosh. I recently moved to Twin Cities and I spent like three months looking on the other side of town for a house. And that mantra would have served me so well then because I literally spent three months. Then finally was like, I did have enough self-belief in something bigger than myself to be like, this is all happening. One of your mantras, Shannon, for me, not to me, this is happening for me. And um, sure enough, the moment I started looking on the other side of town, on the St. Paul side of the river, the first house we walked into is now ours. So we are so thrilled with where we ended up and such a blessing. But it's so interesting because that that mantra would have served me well then. Yeah. Well, you can use it now in the future. I will totally will. You know, the mantras are like... I love them so much because that is actually how I healed myself from depression. That's how the mantras, and as you know, with the coaching, it's a cornerstone to my my practice in any true self-love practice, but also just living practice because mantras help us get out of our fear mind and return to love. They are just, oh, they're so beautiful when you can repeat them. Agreed. I just absolutely love mantras and I just feel like it's the easiest way I've found yet to change the self-talk in my head so yeah all right who is a self-help figure that you admire and why do you admire them oh this is a beautiful question so you know as I talk about lately uh because of the self-love experiment I spent a lot of years looking outside of myself and admiring everyone else but myself so right now I'm really in a space of, of celebrating me and letting myself be my own hero. And, it, and this is a huge thing because I think so many of us are like, we can't do that. That's egotistical or that's selfish. But the truly allow yourself to, to be your own hero and be your own role model is just a gift you can give yourself. And it's something I feel like I had to work really hard for. So right now I'm pretty inspired by me because of what I've had to do and the journey I'm on. But I will say I did go to an Ed Sheeran concert last night. Oh, and <laughs> I'm so jealous. I saw he was coming to the him. Twin Cities and I just didn't oh, get it worked yeah. out. You oh, went last you night. A chance to see him. You have to go. And I sat there at the concert. This is the second time I've seen him. But I sat there just moved to tears because I am so inspired by music. And here's someone who's affecting millions and millions of people. His his growth, he's a singer-songwriter. You know, I think most people know who he is at this point. But his um, his growth and his ability to help people, I truly feel that musicians are personal development and self-help people. So we think, like, it has to be, oh, I'm a self-help author or a coach. But I truly believe that self-help comes in any way we find healing. And here's a singer-songwriter who's able to, we feel in our hearts. And he's doing what he loves on stage. And it's moving to see someone live in so much passion. So I'm truly affected by people who are living in their passion on such an authentic level. Yeah, Ed Sheeran is rocking on that. Supermarket Flowers on his new album. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did not perform that last night, but he's amazing. He is so amazing. (laughs) I love that. Our new favorite self-help figure is Ed Sheeran. I'm all with you on that. (laughs) Let's tweet that to him. Let's see if we can, like, new goals, life goals, get a, like, tweet that. (laughs) 
Just going back a little bit though, I love the way that you said you are sort of admiring and embracing yourself because when you were talking about writing self-love experiment before and you said, you know, you picked up Gretchen Rubin's book and was like, she's got a really strong structure here. Like, how can I replicate that? And I loved how you said it didn't work for you. And that to really show up authentically and to love yourself, you had to stop looking and admiring others. Is that fair to say? 100%. And that's why when you asked that question, it was like it would only be doing a service to the self-love experiment in itself if you really allow yourself to celebrate you. Because I did so much of whether you're trying to write a book or you know, whatever we read these blog posts or we see Dr. Oz talk about a certain new diet trend. And we think that that is our golden ticket. This is the one, but I think it comes back to you going inward and trusting the voice within that says, this is the way for me. And the more we do that, the more we cultivate our own inner connection, our relationship with ourselves, the more we're able to achieve, the more we'll feel balanced and really the more happy and joyful we'll be. Ugh. So good. I'm like turning into Rob Bell. If anyone listens to the Rob Bell podcast, like he literally has a group of people that follow him every time he says so good, they drink. So I'm pretty much turning into Rob Bell. I'm saying so good way too much. So good. So good. All right. You and I are a similar age. I'm 35 and I can't get over how much I've grown spiritually and psychologically in the last 10 years since I was in my mid 20s. And I know that you were struggling in your mid-20s too. So I am stealing your question, Shannon, and using it on you. What advice would more mature Shannon give her 25-year-old self if you had the chance? Mm. That's good. So I'd say it's all happening for you, not to you. And I talk about this often as a mantra now because then I felt, I mean, I was suffering deep and my doctor had just diagnosed me with depression I was suffering from eating disorders. I would cry myself to sleep every night and I was in a job that I hated. I was climbing the corporate ladder and advertising. I couldn't relate to anybody. I felt superficial and I I didn't know myself. I looked in the mirror, I hated everything. But if I could sit there and, and actually what I did do, a turning point for me on my journey then is I sat down after, you know, having my bathroom break down where I splashed water in my face and my inner voice said, follow your heart, which led me to leave corporate and start writing. But I sat down and I said, what would future Shannon do? <laughs> what would the one who's, who has it figured out, the one, and, and assuming, you know, even if I never really did, because we're always learning and growing. So it's not like we always have it figured out. It's like a process. But what would the one who's not suffering from the situation that's causing me so much pain right now do? And, and that helped me pull through. But what I, so what future Shannon said to herself back then is this is all part of a bigger plan. And, and that helped me lead forward. So would you still, you know, as you were tapping into yourself back then in your mid-20s, that's still the same advice you would give now that you are 10 years further down the road, you would still say the same thing? So no, because I didn't tell myself that it's all happening for you, not to you then. So that's the addition oh, that I would the addition. I get yeah, it. Yeah. And yeah. But you had enough self-belief to realize that there was a greater plan. I love that. And now look at where your life is. Could you have even predicted this 10 years ago? Well, the very first breakdown, the one that I was just sharing where I was still in corporate, I didn't have any clarity at all. And I didn't have a belief in self except for the guidance to follow your heart. But about three years after that, I had another moment where I was just starting my career 
And this was, I was promoting my book, Find Your Happy, the first book that came out and I was getting ready to go on the morning television show. And I was looking in the mirror and I was like crying and I couldn't understand why am I having another bathroom breakdown? And I was looking at myself, but I didn't recognize myself. And that was a turning point for me where I said, Shannon, you have to learn how to love yourself. And that is the moment. So it's a little bit past my mid twenties, but it was the moment where I said, you know what, this is part of a plan, a bigger plan, much greater than you will ever understand. Cause I had no idea that I was going to be a love, a self-love teacher, but that truly is, that's, that's my mission. I, I can't keep quiet about this anymore. It's like, I have to share it. <laughs> I love it. You found the thing you want to shout off the rooftops for. And I also love when we talk about the the bathroom breakdowns or the not all in the bathroom, but the breakdown moments. Yeah. When we come back to the start of the interview when you were talking about coloring with your mom too. And that obviously being like another one of those turning moments where it's like, what do what do I need to snap out of or what do I need to snap into yeah. right now? Yep. And I love how you frame it that way. Cause that is a pivotal way for us to approach each moment and really grow and learn from it. Last question for you. Can you share with us a practical exercise or activity that perhaps could maybe give us a bit of a sneak peek into the awesomeness of the self love experiment that the listeners could start using today to help them begin on their own self love journey? Yeah, absolutely. So with the actual book, What's beautiful about this is I use a lot of mantras in this book more than any other book. They're actually called out on their own pages. So I think allowing yourself to be present with the mantras is really important. And then there's specific principles that I use. But the cool takeaway that I think is probably, you know, I'll share one of the principles, I think, but then I'm also going to share an actionable tool. So the principle that really comes to mind is that your relationship with yourself sets the tone for everything else in your life. And so that's principle number 12. And I think if we just approach life in that way, we really recognize that like how I'm treating myself is going to be how I can really show up for others. That's really the, the kind of core. But a really beautiful tool is to actually write down. I'm a free write. I love writing, right? So you could write letters to yourself, future self or past self. But answering the question, what have I always wanted to do, but I have not given myself permission to do, is going to be key. Because once we really identify and go on a self-love journey, we recognize that our dreams matter. This is the core, the heart of heart of it. And your dreams and who you want to be and what you're here to express are the most important parts of really you being alive. And so it's all connected. You can't separate them. So ask yourself, why haven't I given myself permission to do that? And then when you look at these reasons why you, you start to dissect them and I take you through a process in the book, of course, on, on how to really live your dream life. Thank you, Shannon for your time today. I'm so glad I could be here connecting with your beautiful, beautiful people. I so appreciated Shannon's vulnerability. This book really, she opens up about real world struggles and how so many of us struggle to love and accept ourselves. But she doesn't just stop there. She really takes it to how we can change the relationship we have with ourselves. And that's what I so thoroughly appreciate about her and her work. If you want to get a copy of the self-love experiment, it is now out in the world. It was released just this week. Head over to Amazon. There'll be links in the show notes, or you can head to my website, www.thrive.how forward slash Shannon too 
to find direct links there. You can also find more about Shannon and claim your spot in her free workshop she's delivering for people who purchase the new book, www.playwiththeworld.com. If you enjoyed this episode and you think a friend could benefit from listening to it too or might appreciate it, I would so love if you could point them in this direction. If you've got a moment and it was meaningful for you, I'd love if you could also hit subscribe so you don't miss our future conversations and write a review. If you need some help, www.thrive.how forward slash review. I appreciate you. And until next week, keep thriving. <laughs>